Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. The Incomparable, number 628, August 2022. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell, and this episode is the first in a series, not all in a row, because nonlinear is the way to go with this. Maybe it's not even the first. I shouldn't even say that. It is one in a series that could be listened to in any order you wish of what we are calling the Summer of Time Travel. It's important to remember, though, Jason, that the time flow in San Dimas is always going. It's always going. Always going. So the time we're calling it, we called it, and we will call it one day. We will. In the fact, this this may travel, be the dude. future us from another summer of time travel going back to this summer of time travel, <laughs> which may extend into the fall. Doesn't matter. Still the summer Give of time travel. Give our love to the princesses. Indeed. So <laughs> those voices, I'm going to introduce them. They all said things already before, uh, <laughs> thereby violating the sacred code of being silent until you're introduced. We're nonlinear, dude. Because it's we're cool. all nonlinear. We'll go back in time and fix Let it. Let me in thank post. my panelists for. <laughs> going to be here. Um, Steve Lutz is here. Hi, Steve. Want a Twinkie, Genghis Khan? <laughs> <laughs> Kelly Gamont is here. Hello. Gentlemen, I'm here to help you with your history report. Oh, my. Lisa Schmeiser joins us. Hi, Lisa. Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. <laughs> and Moises Chuyan is here. Hi. Jason, I have to come clean, dude. I'm not actually present Moises. I'm Moises from two years from now. And I remember that we us said what we us are saying right now, dude. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, man. Whoa. <laughs> How racist are we about to be, dude? <laughs> <laughs> Only as misogynistic as we are, dude. Okay, cool. If you can warn us in advance, then maybe we'll, oh, we'll probably still do it. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Wind your watch. Just Don't wind your watch. to wind your watch, Moises. <laughs> Uh, if you didn't get all those references, we are talking about Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, a film from 1989 in which Bill and Ted have an excellent adventure in time. What? And therefore, it's the summer of time travel, which I already introduced. Or will I? <laughs> oh, I get it. Mm, yeah. Dude. This comes from the era of film when you could make a movie about two morons saying party on and it would get widely released in theaters happened multiple times <laughs> but it almost didn't it, it, it this movie almost didn't get released because the production company had like massive catastrophic problems right after they finished making it and they thought alex winter and keanu reeves thought that this movie was never going to get released and that they just were part of something special that no one was going to ever get uh, no no one was ever going to get to see because it got hbo maxed 
before it actually. Yeah, got I was going to say it's a, they took they're going to take a write down on their taxes instead of uh, yeah. releasing it. Yeah, no, literally, literally that that was basically the whole thing was the company was was completely defunct and nobody wanted to buy some movie that hadn't been tested and had you know a bunch of money attached to it and those guys were busy fleeing creditors. And uh, and again, the great two morons saying party on genre. Uh, capped by <laughs> Wayne's World and Wayne's World 2, but sure, it's here too. And I, well, there's I, a third Bill and Ted movie now, as and well. And there is so a third Bill really... and Ted movie uh, that was released uh, a couple years ago. But we're just going to talk about the first, the original, the classic. You got to start with the classics. <laughs> yes. And uh, and so this I is. I mean, a movie... you can't go wrong with the time traveling phone booth, Jason. Look, you can't. It'll make sense. I'm a professional. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't know what those two things have to do with each other. So, so, so uh, basically, in the year 2688, the Earth is a paradise. Uh, George Carlin, especially our narrator and also a character in the movie, assures us things are great. But the problem is that it's a society based entirely on the good works of Bill and Ted. Uh, the two sure, morons yes. were about to meet in in 1988. <laughs> This and, is a heavily bowling and mini golf and uh, water slide based society. Uh huh. It's a paradise, oh, yeah. on which Earth. is perfect. Yes. It's perfect. And they've spread the good word around the galaxy to all and other George civilizations. George Carlin based yes. as well, which is yes. a, is a great get and also mm-hmm. a very strange get. Mm-hmm. But he's great in this. Does anyone have the origin story for how George Carlin agreed to be attached to this movie or why he chose this movie? They were well, they actually they tried getting a bunch of other people. Like they actually went for Charlie Sheen. Um, Sean Connery, who was more <laughs> oh out God. of their reach than Charlie <laughs> yeah, I don't know Sheen. who was drinking just there, but mm. I'm sorry you just got it squirted out your nose. <laughs> no, I just really love the idea of reaching for, for, for the dude who was in Highlander with, hey, you've already played an immortal on one end. What we'd like you to do is a time travel yeah. movie now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Carlin, uh, one of the producers um, worked with him on something or another, and they were like, hey, uh, would you do this? And he was like, uh, yeah, sure, why not? And, <laughs> Sounds like fun. Uh, th- they were looking Does for a Rufus. They were looking for a Rufus for way longer than casting any other part in the movie. And they eventually got Carlin and he's perfect. I think he is a wonderful um, uh, uh, person to play uh, what I consider the doctor in the American adaptation of Mm. Doctor Who. I seem to recall they said they'd already started filming when they got him to say, Mm -hmm. okay, like by the time they they coordinated everything for him to do it, like they were already in process. Yeah, they were already doing principal photography on the movie. I think they were shooting in Italy at the time. They shot part of it in Italy, which is mm-hmm. how they got a bunch of these cool looking locations. They convinced Dino De Laurentiis that them calling each other dude was um, was a show of their masculinity. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how that's how he understood the movie. He was like, fine, go use the castle. I don't care. Men can use um, the castle. <laughs> we have to. Yeah, we have to go to Italy. There are many steps and columns. <laughs> it's yeah. most tranquil. Day. Oh, most tranquil. Most tranquil. So. so the conceit of this movie is that these morons are going to be important. And um, also, this is how I know where San Dimas is. So, <laughs> Series, Oh, I that's guess nice. yeah, that's right. You're Northern California. Yeah, you, that's right. I had not, no idea. You had not been steeped in the joy of raging waters for your entire youth. Before no, we decoded. Yeah. Well, raging, there was, wasn't there a raging waters in Irvine too? But yeah, this is the no, coded. No, that was something else. Something, Oasis prancing, or prancing something. Prancing fluids. Yeah. Oh, that's a, yes. Well, Legally that's, distinct. That's something else else entirely. Uh, that, the... Uh, uh yeah, if a home home of the the uh it's where the ten and the two ten meet in San Dimas, right, Steve? That's I right. know that. They're absolutely right. I know I'm not going to stop beating the drum that, that this is the American adaptation of Doctor Who because of course Americans would adapt Doctor Who where they're like the Doctor who wants to see him. Everybody wants to see the Doctor's idiot companions. 
Yeah. <laughs> on whom the future completely rests. Completely rests. So so we will get to the the telephone booth that is the time machine in this uh, in a moment. But first, we've got to have the thing where they they. The, uh, they they Alaska they, dude. they play their they play their instruments badly and they go around in circles and they do the little air guitar and the sound effect <laughs> yeah. comes out and they have the really leaden dialogue like we gotta go where uh. school dude oh yeah they are oh, extremely yeah. extremely dumb and kind of limp and I feel like this movie doesn't really go anywhere until. Really, until I mean, it starts going somewhere when George Carlin shows up because he's interesting. And yeah. I, I'm yes. gonna, I'm gonna just throw out my theory about the Bill and Ted movies now, having not seen the third one, but I've seen the first two. Mm. That <gasps> I think, I think these movies take flight um, with the minor characters who are doing bits because I love yes. the minor characters who do bits. William Sadler in the second movie as Death yes. is oh. the greatest thing. He in makes it worthwhile. Movies from the '90s. I think he is right. great. I, I've, I've got good no, news for you, this. Jason. He's he's in the he's third in movie the third too. One too. But uh, yes, well, that's because he, he was that good. But in this one, like the, these early scenes where it's just two morons being morons, uh, it's I I find it very painful. Yeah, it's I would go so far as to say excruciating yeah. for this first scene, and and that's that's only added to by the fact that before I ever saw this film, I remember seeing like the poster for it when I was at some theater watching something else, <laughs> and it, it was, I mean, it's you know the phone booth and then ridiculously dressed up, clownish looking Keanu Reeves like writing it and the yeah. wacky fonted Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and I looked at it and I said that is not a thing that I will ever see because <laughs> that looks like the dumbest thing that has ever been released into into cinemas mm-hmm. um, and fortunately somebody who I, I trusted saw this movie somehow and and told me no it's really good you got to go see it so I did go and see it but I remember this opening scene unfolding and me thinking oh no I was exactly right this is the worst thing ever <laughs> But the good news is that that and, and to to uh, to defend Bill and Ted themselves for a moment, um, I mean they're 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 ridiculous idiots and morons and their little bits where they're like doing the the air guitar and the little plays and all that stuff would be horribly painful as it is in this scene throughout the entire film, except that both Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves absolutely put everything into these performances except that it's alex winter and keanu reeves <laughs> if it were anybody else it would be really hard to watch them through the so rest I, of the film can we agree that they're morons yes, yes. they're they not but but they're not malicious exactly right. they're, they're, they're very charming right. they're very charming they are they are very optimistic mm-hmm. one of the things i found tremendously appealing um about revisiting this movie we've been on a little bit of an 80s kick in the house and watching a lot of um John Hughes and some of the stuff from the National Lampoon writers. And then when we watched this, it was really very striking, like how polite these two idiots are and just how when they get Napoleon Bonaparte, they're like, let's have someone take him to a water park and show him a good time. <laughs> you have you have what are basically two really sweet, really stupid people sure. who are modeling a way to treat people from different walks of life with a lot of humanity and respect. And that kind of gets lost in the rest in the rest of the chaos of the movie. But like the fact that Keanu Reeves spends 90 minutes saying respectfully, are you okay, Mr. The Kid? Like, yeah. I, I think it's just, it's kind of an amazing choice that they made to go in that direction with right. these two idiots instead of making everybody else the butt of the, of the dummies right. jokes. They're good natured sure. idiots. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's exactly. the thing that I have always 
loved about this movie and like I'm sure at some point we'll get into just how much Kelly loves this movie special road trips to go see San Dimas High School both in San Dimas and the one in in Arizona where they actually filmed it I've been to the San Dimas Mall which is actually outside of Phoenix I think before they tore it down um I ate the cereal I still have one of the phone booth toys that came with the cereal that you could put cassette tapes in um you watch I mean, the cartoon ask your parents technically and phoenix is just outside of san dimas because the 10 is right there anyway sure. well, I, mean, <laughs> I mean that too um but one of the things that i love about this movie is that yes they're idiots but they're kind and i feel like they were sort of set up at the beginning to be just dumb as posts and like the rest of the movie they're not that way like you well, don't still you, you see them coming up with creative solutions you see them coming up with like we're gonna have everybody chew gum so we can glue the antenna back together <laughs> oh God, like that was such I a mean, funny sequence they do a whole lot of like the they're movie creative. can't sustain the level of dumbness that the opening scene has right like it's not possible like you, you know how you know how kind they are because they thought to pack pudding cups for everybody in their backpack and yes. a Nerf football yeah. for for and Socrates and uh, for Socrates and Billy the Kid to play around mm -hmm. with. Is everyone okay? They make sure to stop for a snack. They make sure when they yeah. get back to take them to the mall yeah. and get everybody fed. Like you know, they're on a fundamental really level, weird, they're caring. highly specific skill set. Like there are no other two people who could probably pull off what they had to pull off. Also on a exactly. close, on a close watch. And I know we're here to very closely read Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, but it is a podcast about this movie, so I'm going to say it. Also, um, Alex Winter, like, he's he's stealthily, um, and he's, which one, is he Bill or Ted? Come on, remind he's me. Bill. He's Bill. He's Bill, right, because he's, he's Bill. Ted, Bill Ted, 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 Ted Theodore Logan is kind of Okay, Bill, Bill is smarter than he lets on. That's oh, sure. the other yes. part of it, is it's very clear yeah. that Bill actually is the one who's always correcting Ted. Right. Because Ted, <laughs> Ted is... A complete moron. Yeah. Bill yes, is yes. like part artifice and and not entirely yes. moronic. He's just trying to go along to get along. He's a he's more of just a kind of cool dude who just wants to take it easy. If you mm. Yeah, and me. Bill is the one who actually comes up with the idea for the report, which is actually brilliant. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's the one who knows that you have to have a poker face when you play poker. Yes, <laughs> he does. Oh, he has lots and of things going for if him. If we. Yeah. It, maybe you are the one that stole your dad's keys. If we just do it after the report, then they'll be here. Oh yeah, he comes. Like, yeah, yeah those are the things. But the, the magical thinking th that's introduced that that ends up working is entirely Bill's idea. What I was going to say though uh, about about uh, about these two lunkheads was that <laughs> if even for a moment they were seen to be sort of like winking at the camera and saying, "Yeah, we know these guys are dummies, but we're not." We're smart and we, we know that this is ridiculous, but they fully invest themselves mm -hmm. into this. And, and in the same way that yeah. like Elf would be intolerable if uh, if Will Ferrell didn't yeah. fully invest, invest everything, every stupid move he has into the character and mm -hmm. and and completely buy into it. Uh, both uh, Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves here just absolutely nail these characters. And I think without that, this mm -hmm. goes back into being a dumb movie. But uh I was thinking about the the I, I actually my one of my criticisms of the movie is that I think a lot of the dialogue, especially early on, is terrible and not terrible in a way of it being like the morons, terrible in the way that it's badly written. And <laughs> I've seen yeah. other movies because I think the performances save the terrible dialogue because I think there's probably funnier dialogue for morons to say yes. that this movie can't provide to Bill and Ted, so they kind of have to go by on charm because the dialogue is I think the most painful thing about the first. I mean, the whole movie it's not great, but the first 20 minutes of it that's the part that kills me the performances are fine they're 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 saving it 
the first 20 minutes, I think, also also color the rest of the dialogue in the movie where the rest of the dialogue in the movie isn't as bad. Um, but but because of that first 20 minutes, it it, it has to the whole movie <laughs> to win you has back. to win you over. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Like Ed Solomon yeah. and Chris Matheson, who wrote the movie, um, created these characters as improv characters that they would just answer questions as. And so they were scripting characters that they had previously done improv sketches with. And, and it feels and so, worse than improv to me. <laughs> I agree. Yes, it's, it, it's, it, That's it, true. It, 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 no it one really, ever like, time it, travels to bring back the Nate that the famous improvs of history. <laughs> exactly. And like a, a, a scripted version of improv characters sounds terrible enough on paper that the, the charm that we've been saying about these characters, that's what ends up winning me over. Mm-hmm. Um, even, even though I'm like, you know, this could be Shakespeare and this ain't Shakespeare. You know what? But good enough. I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and there are bits of, of clever dialogue and, and yeah. you know, it's, it's few and far between, but there are moments that hit very, very well. Yeah. Remember when you tried to ask Missy to prom when you were a freshman? <laughs> Shut up, Ted. Shut up, Ted. <laughs> <laughs> like the, at, at the time of release, it was compared to movies like Fast Times and others that it has actually nothing in common with yeah. other than it has teenage main characters. And Oh, but you've got like a, a quasi surfer dude who says dude a lot. And so that's apparently the, the, the simple on that simple level. I was struck with how it ha- how many it has music cues from Ghostbusters and Real Genius. It has several mm-hmm. camera moves lifted wholesale from Back to the Future and a special effects budget that I guess like from Doctor Who. Uh, but <laughs> And yeah. uh, and Jason, uh, believe it or not, it has a tie to another summer of time travel film because it had the exact same production designer as Time Bandits. Oh, all right. Which you, you may have already listened to that episode. <laughs> Who which can hasn't say? Been released yet. What summer of time travel? Wow, um, I want to. My sh- mind is blown. I want to shout out Bernie Casey as the uh, history teacher. Yes. Love to see Bernie Casey. So good. And boy, are these yes. guys best. You thought these guys were done before. Now you see how really, really. I mean, I love that moment where he's like, "You guys." have completely failed and have lost you failed to learn anything in my class it's like yeah yeah yeah, the world is full of history though man dude the world is full of history like socratic method he was great and this might be the moment where i perked up the first time i saw it when i discovered (laughs) that 80s comedy bit part all-star bernie casey was the history teacher love him so much the, the one last thing I wanted to say about the guys themselves um and and how it kind of forms the movie is that after rewatching it this time i went now I know how Mike Judge came up with Beavis and Butthead. He said, I'm going to take Bill and Ted and give them no redeeming qualities whatsoever and not even give them an iota of charm. And every moment I give them something that looks like maybe they're going to learn something and become better people or become, you know, the kind of uh, w- well-adjusted um, in terms of alignment uh, and in a D&D sense that these guys are, they never crest that hill. And that's where Beavis and Butthead came from. I was struggling with the tone of this movie and I think I kind of decided that it's it's trying to kind of be like back to the future except as ridiculous and uh, you know as possible like a, a intentionally ridiculous cuz i had the moment where it's like they kind of are aware of what this movie would be like if they took it seriously and they know they can't and won't do that so they go for the like we'll we'll just take it to the extreme and i don't mind it i think it is what one of the things that makes it charming is that the scene later where they just keep adding people to the um, telephone booth is just like <laughs> yeah. i mean that's the movie being like we don't we don't care we don't yeah. care the phone booth was originally a car because this movie was written before back to the future uh, came out see you can't do that you and can't have so, a car 
yeah, you can't have it be a car once they once they came time to to make the thing, and and then they went. Well, I guess we'll use a phone booth because we're basically doing a weird, yeah. uh, you know, a weird version of Doctor Who. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. So we, we've got the setup, which is they're bad at history. They're going to fail their history uh, test or their oral report that is going to happen at the end of in a bizarre sort of school assembly slash oral report that goes on all day. Don't go to the school, anybody. It sounds terrible. No. Um, they, they, um, yeah, remember the days back in school when they'd, uh, you'd do your final oral report for your history class, you know, <laughs> in the auditorium in front of the whole school. For several hours. Nobody else in the school is uh, busy with anything else during finals. Yeah, it's, I think it's I think it's appropriate that we're talking about the end of the movie at the beginning I, of the podcast about it. But it's nonlinear. It's time travel. We're time traveling through the well. That discussion. that presentation they originally shot it in Bernie Casey's classroom, but it just didn't work because it was Bill and Ted standing off to the side and the historical characters coming forward and being like, oh, "I'm Genghis Khan," and there was nothing dynamic or interesting about it. And they went what can we do that we can't really explain that'll just look better? And so they put it in an auditorium and it looks great. Yeah. So they're going to flunk out if they don't pass uh, their their oral report, which they're not because Bernie Casey says you've learned nothing. Uh, and this is why the future is in jeopardy. So they send George Carlin back in time to get them on the right path in his phone booth. Um, and at, at that point, basically, we enter the next phase of the movie which is where they are going to be given control of the phone booth um strange things are afoot at the circle k uh, because there's a second phone booth and they get non-linearly told by their future selves that they're going to have an excellent adventure at which point the ping-ponging around history begins and that's what a large part of the movie is and this is the point where i don't know for, for me i looked at this and i thought okay it's almost like I'm watching, I don't know, like a Monty Python movie at this point. It is a series <laughs> of ridiculous sketches about time travel and figures from history, uh, starting with Napoleon, who kind of gets blown into the void into the of time and of space. The well, he's of history, the catalyst yes. for the whole thing yes, because modern technology, he William. Falls out of a tree. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, Jason, do yes. you know when the Mongols ruled China? 12 something. I remember that. That lady in the car at the Circle K oh, told me. Yeah, that's a great, great question. No, that's actually, that, I, I was oh, going to make Marco that Polo. the underrated scene of the movie is the mm -hmm. where they're sitting in the Circle K parking lot. What, 7-Eleven wasn't going to pay enough? The Circle K parking lot asking questions about history to passersby. Of random people it's amazing. in the parking lot. When did the lot? Mongols rule China, lady? Jason, it's becoming a theme now that I actually know all the historical facts about the movie. It's not 7-Eleven because they couldn't legally clear 7-Eleven and yeah. Circle K said It's okay. very clear. Like, mm -hmm. it's a, the absence is felt there. Um, but strange things are afoot at the Circle K flows yes. perfectly. It wouldn't have worked as well it, with 7-Eleven. Where I grew up, there were no, there really weren't 7-Elevens. So all we had was Circle K. So mm. to me, it totally made sense. So... 
Yeah, I mean, the movie yeah. is no Shakespeare, but Shakespeare was no Bill and Ted. Let's be honest. <laughs> He's not even in this. But I love that when they're stuck, their move is to go to a different parking lot. In front of yeah, a they're going to go to the, the Mighty Mart or something after yeah, that. Yeah, should we try the Mighty Mart? Ask. But that's yeah. kind of what teenagers do. Like, well, yeah, but they I got, just... They got that so right. Um, right. Despite the fact that Bill and Ted were played by very clearly adult actors at this point. Yeah. Like, in, in keeping with the time-honored 1980s tradition of casting... Dana Carvey. 25-year-olds. Yeah. <laughs> 40-year-olds, 35-year-olds, whatever old Dana yeah. Carvey was. Teenagers, teenagers who can legally rent cars. Yeah, yeah, it was slightly <laughs> less egregious for the two of them, but yeah, it just yeah. like and those Speaking little of moments egregious age range things. They're only at the Circle K because they got kicked out, so Bill's dad can molest his child bride in Bill's room. <laughs> oh, that was so <laughs> such a creepy moment. That yeah, the, you you couldn't make that joke today, but in the eighties, the idea that there was a student who was so hot she could seduce the faculty like that was completely. <laughs> I mean, this movie has some very eighties relics to it. Say hi for me. Bill kind of made peace with it too. Like, you know, we get like, he's on stage with Freud goes, no, I'm good. It's just a minor Oedipal complex. And, you know, uh, and they move on. Good payoff. And, and there's a knowing <laughs> nod little... too, right? That, the, yeah. The, Sigmund the, Freud. Yeah, Bernie Casey looks over at Missy immediately. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to once again, go to the defense of the, of the dialogue and the script. Uh, yeah. They're grown inducing dad jokes, but they work. They all right. work. I mean, that's, uh, and even it's the, the little things ones. like that throughout the movie that I, I really I'm always here for the understated the throwaway line the quiet running gag through the end you know this all of that movie holds and up weirdly well for it, something that came out in 1989 there are a couple of creaky parts we just covered one of them yeah. but most yeah. of the rest of it is not super cringy well, for the, the di- most part the dialogue that I, I have a problem with is when they're trying to establish the dude uh, yeah. bona fides of it's, Bill and Ted yeah. and it doesn't yeah. work yeah and after you after you watch Napoleon Bonaparte stuff his face with an ice cream sundae, it's you kind of don't forgiven. care about the creek. After, that after came Napoleon before. Bonaparte learns that the only thing he really needs in life to fill his gaping hole that <laughs> caused him to uh, try to invade Europe is one ice cream and two water slide. A water sure. slide. Ziggy piggy. That's it. That's all he needs. Ziggy piggy. Man, if only he could have lived to see twenty six eighty eight, he would have just been. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> He would have been a Ziggy Piggy in, and a Pope. In my head, head headcanon, they bring Napoleon into the future. Uh, and that's his gr- like great uh, afterlife as he gets to sure. just do ice cream and water slides. And water loops. <laughs> water loops. I, do, I think joke. my headcanon was when they got to the end of the report, they just took him back to Waterloo and then dropped everybody else off and then took him later. It's not that on the nose, by the way. The place is called Water Loops. <laughs> uh, they go to the Old West and meet Billy the Kid. Uh, sure. And there's a bar fight. Uh, I mm-hmm. like the, I like the fact that they walk through the old West town and everybody stares at them because <laughs> they're wearing modern clothes. And they look like lunatics. Who are these people? Um, there's a bar fight, and then ultimately uh, they escape with Billy the Kid. Because uh, ironically, they don't make the any. Be. They don't make any bacon about the fact that they're saying "dude" all the time, and that's one of the few places where they could do that and not have an eye batted at him. Right. That was sort of a thing I appreciated about that one. Was yeah, yeah. we understand these guys. Whereas Bill's nobody yeah. poker face, by the way, is amazing. That scene where oh, he yes. says you got to have a poker face, and then his <laughs> poker face just kills me. It's so ridiculous. Every time. He's got the cigar hanging out of his mouth. I laugh at that so much every time. Got to have yeah. a poker face, dude. Yeah. I mean, and I also admire Mr. The Kid's entrepreneurial spirit. Mm-hmm. The, I also like the fact that they don't, they don't play completely fast and loose with the language thing. Like a, 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 another movie might have everybody speak English. 
and that's not what they do. You and get just to never sit- talk about you, how everyone can understand. Well, each like other. yeah, there's like Socrates does everything with with gestures and stuff. Right. <laughs> um, uh, excuse me, Jason. It's pronounced so crates. It's under so crates. Yes, yes, and then and then the opening of of. Uh, all our children or, or, uh, days, of our days of our lives. Yes. Days like lives. sands okay. through the hourglass. Yeah. So, so the days yes, of our lives which is the, by the way was sometimes. my mom's favorite part of the movie. Cause we uh, saw it in the theater and she said, Oh, oh I thought that was very funny. It's dust yeah. in the wind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dust wind dude. He also loves baseball. <laughs> yep. I don't know what it is he's trying to gesture nope. there, though. Does anybody have any theories on that? Well, nope. maybe he saw Genghis Khan in the sporting goods store uh, and is impressed. <laughs> no, I, I don't think so. I think he was hanging out with Siggy and Billy the Kid at that point, trying to pick up chicks. But we'll get there. Could be um, Egghead. We go. They go to medieval times, and there's a castle where they meet historical babes while Socrates and Billy the Kid are throwing around a Nerf football. There's some night fighting with lightsaber sounds that they mm-hmm. make personally because they're fighting each other with swords. Because high. Yep. Ted falls down and is stabbed to death. It's very sad. You killed De- Ted, you <gasps> medieval dickweed. You <laughs> dickweed. But fortunately, he, he says in one of those, like, like Fry in Futurama saying, I had another guy. Uh, T- Ted is just standing there and he says, oh, I fell out of the suit of armor when I landed. And it's like... Yeah, this is so classic serial. Okay. No, he jumped yeah. out of the car at the last yeah. minute. You just didn't see it. It's fine. But yeah, he's yeah, not you, dead. You can just fall like out of plate armor. Like through the hourglass, you guys. They hug, at which point we have our little sigh of, well, the other it was creaky another, piece of It was another dialogue. time uh, as, the, as they, yeah. Anyway, it was another time. There was, there was 80s movies go and 90s movies too. The homophobia could have been and often was worse. Well, it was, it was, I would say it was even winking, right? Because the idea is that they obviously care about each other and they give each other hugs and they ha- then they have to do the manly thing of recusing, you know, about any feelings because they're, they're men yeah. and, and then we, we move on we with the story. We had to pause and have the discussion. <laughs> like we watched this with my 11 year old daughter and like she was like, excuse me and made us pause it. And we actually, had, <laughs> we had to have a talk about, it. okay, in the eighties, it was like this. And now it is not. And Jason, like you say, it was basically them being afraid to express authentic affection and emotion for another dude in any context. They're hanging a lantern Mm -hmm. on it. But then they go like right back to being really excited to see each other. And how are we going to get out of of this? Of course they do. They have the purest friendship. Oh, it's so That they're like, we've checked that box, you know, Mm -hmm. and now, you know, now that we've admitted that we're not actually... Uh, feeling romantic about each other. Now we can go back to being really excited. Holy crap, we're here. This is awesome and all of it. And it was, I, yeah. I loved it. And other I loved the their rescue used, from that which moment. Which I can confirm was thrown around like, you know, oh, yeah. things that you throw not around inaccurate. like Nerf footballs <laughs> at high school campuses in 1980s. No, yeah. Um, it's not, it's it's a joke about homophobia. It's not really it, it a homophobic is. joke. It is. It's just a word, a word that would probably not be used now, but that, that's it. Exactly. Well, I think I've, we've provided a lot of good context for Lisa's daughter now. Um, there you go. Yeah. Yes. And I look mm-hmm. forward to her podcast about watching 80s movies. And it is being used in a kind of puncturing way here, which I appreciate. Again, good heart. The good hearted nature of Bill and Ted went out in the end. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Don't they? 
All right, so we meet the princesses. Princesses are getting married off to, I don't even know who, but it doesn't matter. Uh, they want to be rescued. Some Unfortun- dudes. Unfortunately, some dudes. The king uh, is there and uh, and says, put them in the Iron Maiden, and they think that's excellent because Iron excellent. Maiden. But it's like, no, I have them killed off with their heads. Uh, and they're going Bogus. to again. They're going to be executed, but they're fortunately saved by our Nerf football loving pals, Billy and Socrates, who uh, <laughs> who save them. At which point, I realized I think the right way to look at this movie is is to think of it as like this is a movie like Harold and Kumar is a movie. It's that kind of movie where it's like, <laughs> oh, dude, where's my car? Right? It's like, oh, just you know. Just go with oh it. They God. got saved by Billy and, yeah. and Socrates. It's fine. Sure. It's all You just good. explained why I enjoy Harold and Kumar like, as much as I, I, I like do. All those movies. I like Dude, Where's My Car, too. I think they're all very funny, stupid movies. And this is also a very funny, stupid movie. With a lot of charm. With a lot of charm. Yeah, well, charm goes a long is. way with a movie like this, yeah. right? It really I does. do have to shout out one of the princesses who mm-hmm. is one of the classic 80s actresses, Diane Franklin, who is yes. awesome. Monique Better from Dead. Better Off Dead. Yes. Better mm-hmm. Off Dead. Yep. She's recognized. I mean, you see the princesses and you're like, ah, yes. Princesses from the eighties. I know, I know them. (laughs) Oh, I know them. Yeah. Um, they, so we're going to get back to them, but, but we don't get them now. Remember, say hi, say hi to the princess. Give the princesses my love. Something like that. He says to future. Mm -hmm. Give our love to the princesses. Um, You'll see. You'll see. You'll see. Um, they, they are then pulled into the future. At which point the people from the future, uh, do a, an air guitar thing that is amazing and ludicrous. My only note here is that they do it all to a very hokey power ballad, yes. which feels like the wrong musical choice for Bill and Ted's Utopia. That's all mm, I'm saying. I don't, yeah, I don't know. It's pretty but good, it's though. But it's weapons grade optimistic. Little, There's some rock and guitar in it. Yeah, yeah, but it's a little. I think it's a little too cheesy. I think it feels a little uncool. Oh, it's too cheesy for this movie? It's, really? Yes. I think it's a little too cheesy for this, <laughs> this movie. This is what's too cheesy wow. for this movie? I think this it needs bit. a little more rock and roll. I a little don't more. Know. I think it works. Like, I don't think Bill and Ted have very good musical taste, though. That's fair. <gasps> well, theoretically, that's their song in the future, would be mm. my guess. Oh, like, interesting. Surely the society based on their tenets is also based on their music. Based on their music. Oh, boy. Well, power ballad comment, it is, then. When they comment on how great the music is, you know, they're oh. commenting on their own tunes. Well, it felt to me like they couldn't clear a better song in the <laughs> making of the movie. And so this is what we got. I just appreciate that, like, when they show up, the chill dude just says, it's you. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's chill and happy to see them. Everyone's just, it's like they were just hanging out waiting for him to show up. And to this day, I still want the sunglasses that Clarence Clemens is wearing in this scene. To this like day. They lower them and, and raise them in, in tandem, the three important people. <laughs> Which is the go. other thing I love about that. Yeah. Like, who are they? Like that this is... What are they doing? Immaterial. This, yeah. this society clearly has, has taken in the phrases, be excellent to each other and party on dudes. This is the moment when it happens, people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, this is when they coin the phrases. And I'm not even sure they even know it. The future people might not even realize it. Yeah. That's oh, they have moment. no idea that this was like the first time it well, happened. Well, yeah, because sure. they're they're coming out with it. There's a, th- that is a nice moment where they're like, be uh, excellent to each other, and everybody's like, ah, oh, yes, 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 yes. Of course, of course, of course. But he's just making it up in the moment, right? Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's a perfect reflection of the dichotomy between the uh, the secretly brilliant Bill S. Preston Esquire and the <laughs> you know goofy get along guy Ted Theodore Logan. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And party on, dude. Party on. Oh, yes, yes. And party exactly. on, dude. Excellent. Well, well done, it's well important done, yes. to. I mean. 
Jason, like another movie that you and I have talked about a whole lot on the incomparable, they're bringing balance to the force. Mm. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> So things go haywire and there's a weird green thing in the tubes that go through time. Look, it's complicated. I'm not going to explain it to you now. If you don't understand it, you never will. You know, I said that exact phrase to my doctor last week. <laughs> the tube that goes through time. Uh, there's a weird green it's thing, a weird green goes thing the in the tube there. that goes through time. It's not great. Uh, yeah. they, so that, then we, we the, the pace picks up even further. They go to Vienna in 1901 and, and, mm-hmm. and see uh, Frude Dude, Sigmund Freud. Frude Dude. Frude Dude. Mm-hmm. Um, they start loading Meanwhile, up the Napoleon phone has it, gone to Farrell's, which mm-hmm. is, oh, yes. is, might be oh, one of my very favorite 80s references that, that people outside of this, this area might not even be aware of the existence of. But oh. yeah, the whole Ziggy Piggy phenomenon, it's, it's, a, it's a change it's real. from what Farrell's offered, but it's basically real. They had a yes. thing called the pig's trough, yeah. which was like a six ice cream scoop sundae with like bananas bananas and just Mm -hmm. crap i think there's a slab of of ribs in in it for a while (laughs) like (laughs) might be a bowling ball in there somewhere and that was a trend too we had a we had a different chain where i grew up but they had the exact same thing you could get the giant bowl of Uh everything and napoleon my note is simply napoleon eats a lot of ice cream so much so (laughs) that he's licking the they give him the ziggy piggy award he's still like licking the ice cream off the off the table as they take it away he's Mm. still trying to get like the Uh, last bit out of the bowl it's so funny i got to go to Farrell's for my birthday not as a kid i wanted to very much as a kid but uh they brought it back in southern california so like 2018 i got to go to Farrell's next to not not sperry farm for my birthday it was a surprise Uh, and it was hands down the greatest surprise dead again for my birthday (laughs) it didn't work but yeah man that was that was the place when you had a birthday party you didn't know where else to go that's it that's where you, you went. went you f- went to Farrell's and you ordered a pig's trough and you ate all that ice cream. Yes. If it was going to kill you, and then, then you brought home a ribbon that says, I made a pig of myself. Yep, and then Farrell. you threw up yes. all over the And then the you ribbon. threw up all over yourself yes. or the car, usually. Mm-hmm. You're and making your this birthday sound so great, really. Yeah. So, so the phone booth's getting crowded because uh, if only it was bigger on the inside, but I mean, it sure. sort of is. But That's ludicrous, yeah. Jason. Yeah, it, yeah, let's not push it too far. So they get fruit, they get fruit, dude. Uh, they get Joan of Arc. They lure Genghis Khan into the phone booth with a Twinkie. With a Twinkie. <laughs> yeah. They scoop Beef Oven's bench right up and carry him off yeah. while he's playing for Elise. They trick Lincoln by knocking on the door and saying, Candygram. <laughs> <laughs> Which I love so much. <laughs> nice I touch. love this Lincoln, by the way. He's such a goofball. Mm-hmm. And you can, he's so... you can imagine him being excited, not really knowing what a Candygram is, but he's willing to try. What, what, what might that be? Who's out there? And it's, it's, it's kidnappers from the future. It yeah. starts with candy. It can't be all bad. Yeah, he just he's into it. <laughs> so, but the antenna. Oh, oh, oh so with, with Lincoln, we, we actually ended up pausing and having like a spirited debate. Would Bill and Ted send Lincoln back to be assassinated or would they try to find another way to keep him around? I don't think I mean, Bill and Ted would want to break the timeline. You know? Yeah, the timeline in San Dimas that that happened and already already passed. Quite honestly, yeah. I'm not sure they would have put it together. Also, yeah, they're not aware that he he gets assassinated. <laughs> Maybe we should take him back the day after the the theater. Good yeah. luck, dude. I hear there's a good show at Ford's Theater, dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> someone's gonna mention it to them. But our, our theory was someone would mention it to them and they'd be like, Oh, Bummer. Mr. Lincoln. It, oh, yeah. he's gonna be shot, what? dude. We have to do something about that. I thought he was just a five dollar bill, dude. B- bill and Ted four. <laughs> they're just uh, come. It's, they're gonna save Lincoln. Sure. Um, <laughs> the antenna on top of the phone booth is broken now. Oh no! I hope everybody's gonna be okay. But wait a second. We have to cut to Napoleon. 
What's Napoleon up to now? Well, he's bowling with the kids who have been told to babysit Napoleon. Bowling Napoleon, Napoleon. is very bad at bowling. They ditch him. Uh, apparently, they had an open tab or something, which I don't understand because the guy who runs the bowling alley says, you owe me money. And when Napoleon answers in French, basically like, ah, mm, they throw him out and he's banned <laughs> sure. from the bowling alley. Sorry, Napoleon. What a defeat. But you know, Deacon's a big spender at the bowling alley, so he's, he's usually a, He's a, a whale. Player. At the bowling alley. <laughs> I just am surprised that they don't have to make them pay up front, that they expect them to settle the tab at the end. But, you know, these kids today. They're- Deacon, yeah. by the way, is is an underloved character, but you got to appreciate that he's game to just take this random French guy around. Yeah. Until he <laughs> isn't. I mean, he's just, he does. He's just, just like, okay. He, Napoleon is just dumped in his lap. And My it's, brother it's, asked me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> he, he goes for it. He takes him to the bowling alley. He takes him to... Uh, Takes him to, to get a Ziggy Piggy, and uh, you know he didn't have to. Yeah, but but then he they do ditch him here because they, they do. They, well, they, they do. I, mean, you, I would too. He cheated. He, he cheated on his scores. He, he, he did. He added a hundred points yeah. to his score, and then even then he he, he was, doesn't know when to let go of the bowling <laughs> ball and got halfway down. The, he, he was the bad lane. at bowling and worse at scorekeeping. I mean, mm-hmm. that's yeah. where we're at. And he says merit a whole. He lot. does. <laughs> did this did this maintain a PG thirteen rating or a PG? It's not France. <laughs> no, that's right. Where uh, someday we will have a low definition round where I tell you what it was called in France. Oh, excellent! <laughs> All right. Um, so they 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 had to fix the thing on top of the phone booth. So it's one million BC. There are cavemen. That's not really historically accurate, but okay. Uh, they're fixing with it, it, and it's beautiful because everybody's chewing gum, and they got the pudding cups that they brought with them again because they they're going camping or something. They got some pudding cups in case you need some some sugar. So they use the pudding cups and the gum that everybody's chewed to kind of like stick the thing back together. I think very cleverly, um, so that they can go to San Dimas where they end up meeting themselves. Uh, we get to see that from the other side. George Carlin gets to ask them if they're doing okay. And then the best line in that scene for my money is as they go back to the phone booth, they say, wow, that conversation made no sense this time. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) I think he said more sense. No, I think he said no sense. Or was it more sense? I thought it was no sense. I think it's more sense. Either way, I love that they're commenting on the entire structure of the the movie, which is like, oh, we did that again. Well, and, and you're seeing, you know, the second half of that conversation and you're expecting there to be some great revelations in there that no, you didn't get to see the first time. But, but no, it's you. just, it's just, yeah. And the fact that he told uh, Ted to wind his watch, but in fact, Ted didn't wind his no. watch. And so he's reminding himself again, even though he knows he didn't wind yeah. his watch. <laughs> the, it's great. It, it, the Yes, there's going to be more tra- time tra- travel shenanigans in a minute, but this is a fun time paradox that they do here. And this is where the movie basically shifts into the third act because they go they go to tomorrow, which is when the, the uh, report is due. Because you have to dial up one number. Yeah, so... So they go, they go up one number to tomorrow. And, and this is where we get that moment where they try to introduce all the people from history with aliases. So it's, it's like Bob (laughs) Genghis Khan, Herman, the kid, Socrates Johnson (laughs) and Dennis Frude. Dave Beethoven. Mm-hmm. Dave Beto, Be- Beto. And then we just Beto. give up at the end. And, and Dennis Frood and Abraham Lincoln. Bob, Bob Genghis Khan. come up with one. And Abraham Lincoln, yeah. Uh, and I then, love Bob Genghis Khan. Bob Genghis Khan. It, <laughs> I don't know what it cracks me up, but it's so... <laughs> and then Socrates uh, Johnson. Johnson, yep. Mm-hmm. Herman the Kid, totally different. You, they'll never know. Uh, Maxine but, of Arc, no relation. But to get... Um, 
Missy to take them to school. They have to do their chores, which <laughs> leads to, to a true sign that this is a movie released in the 80s. Mm-hmm. It's time for the <laughs> chores montage. Sure. A musical montage. Everybody mm-hmm. get ready. Of historical figures doing chores. This <laughs> movie is chock full of montages and I love it. it the, bring back the montage, I say. Yeah. Uh, but this is this is a good one. Lots of, lots of bits where... The various uh, characters. Yes, there's another great montage later. Uh, various characters are uh, from history are doing their chores so that they can then go. Uh, they go to the San Dimas Mall. This is where people hang out. Great. Uh, Napoleon, <laughs> of course, they where is you not can there. get a hot dog on a bat. It's mm-hmm. legally distinct. <laughs> uh, where's Napoleon? He's at Waterloo, the water park, paying off that joke. Of course. And this is where we get, an, again, historical figures exploring 1980s mall. Joan of Arc mm. is entranced by the aerobics instruction going on. Beethoven is rocking out with a synthesizer or two at the music store. Billy the Kid and Socrates are picking up girls. Sigmund Freud <laughs> insists that sometimes a hot dog on a stick is merely a hot dog on a stick. Yeah, let's on stop a- here for a second because <laughs> I want to call out this... This very That's subtle, the, that at least is the to most my mind. Steve Lutz interruption in yep. the history Leave of Steve it Lutz. To Steve. I was, I was leaving the Stop opening there. Stop at the hot dog That's on right. a bat. It's a giant corn dog on a stick. You, that Sigmund Freud you were is leaving eating. the opening there, were you, Jason? Yes, you were leaving sure the opening was. there. You're just giving Steve more to work with. Yep. I, it's just this is just a tremendous, uh, to my mind, at least for this movie, nice and subtle sight uh-huh. gag. That might be my favorite thing in the movie, which is uh, Billy the Kid and Socrates are chatting up a couple of uh, 80s mall girls. Mm-hmm. And uh, Freud pops in and introduces himself, says oh. they can call him Siggy. <laughs> you and call and when he Tiki. appears, he's prominently holding a corn dog straight up. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. But, yes. Then, but then the girls laugh at him and his corn dog slowly Drips. sags forward. And <laughs> yes. Until it is in a sad, flaccid <laughs> state. Oh, it's so great. Mm-hmm. It's Freud, people. It's Freud. Geek. It's Freud. <laughs> and this giant corn dog on a stick. And his corn dog. Sometimes it's just a corn dog, though. Sometimes a giant corn dog on a stick is just a giant corn dog. On not a stick. in this case, though. It's I think it's definitely supposed to be not a dick, in this Jason. case. No, no. Nope, it's not. Uh, Genghis Khan discovers the wonder of an aluminum bat. Uh, and he, he can wield it as a weapon. It's better than the bone or whatever that he had before. Wow, there's a lot of phallic stuff in this. Uh, yeah. This this movie, leads to one of the best introductory scene, like once the best introduction later. When it's a pleasure to introduce to you a gentleman we picked up in medieval Mongolia in the year <laughs> 1269. Please welcome the very excellent barbarian, Mr. Genghis Khan. This is a dude who 700 years ago totally ravaged China, and who we were told two hours ago totally ravished Oshman Sporting Goods. <laughs> Yeah. And they're just so cheerful about it. Totally I love his off. intro. He knocks the yeah. head off of the, the dummy and all the of that. Mannequin. And he's like, yeah, beheading. I can behead things with this bat. Yeah. I love yeah. it. Into the, into the basketball hoop, which is just so funny <laughs> yep. every time. And all that stuff that he got to do in the sporting goods store. Al Leong, he was in Lethal Weapon. He was in Die Hard. He was in Big Trouble in Little China. He was in They Live. He was in like every tv show in the 80s he was in magnum he was in tj hooker he was in like everything uh he was in last action hero also covered here on the incomparable mm. and then like he just kind of disappeared for a little while and then he popped up all of a sudden on deadwood and i was like oh thank god i could have <laughs> checked imdb to find out he's Wait, not dead was but i'm he glad the he's one not dead. who moises mm-hmm. really is he swedging yes i believe so <gasps> oh my gosh i didn't know that and i oh my gosh loses mind live yeah. in the middle of the show uh, uh, gosh, by, by the way what is lincoln it. doing all this time 
He's getting his picture taken in sure. an old style photo booth. And then <laughs> right. when they're done, he says, okay, I'll need the hat. No, it's, like, my it's, hat. it's my hat. It's, yeah. I le- love, it. love it. I'm going to go on record here as saying that what we get next is one of the all-time great montages of film history. Mm-hmm. As the various historical figures wreck havoc in the mall. Oh, yeah. the sounds I of love every frame Joan of, of this kicks off the kicks the aerobics instructor off the stage. Beethoven gr- draws a crowd while getting down. Genghis Khan adds a football helmet and pads and a skateboard and does, <laughs> I would say, the most excellent trampoline move one will ever see. Oh, it's solid. Where the, tr- the skateboard it's- goes under the trampoline as he hits the trampoline, does a flip and lands back on the trampoline. You know why? Because Genghis Khan... Is a cool dude he because Genghis cool Khan. That's why he's a cool. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's not it's not really a montage because it's in real time, but I'll allow it. Uh, it's particularly mm-hmm. because it is set to what is indisputably Extreme's best song, "Play with Me," which is so perfect <laughs> here because it's got yes. that sort of classically uh, based um, Nuno Betancourt. Uh, guitar you can solo. hear the Aquanet in that song, and I. Oh. Love it. <laughs> that's right. It's on the string, so you actually literally can hear it. There's a lot of hair metal. Yeah, no, it's a, and and I I love the fact that uh, you know they're all getting arrested for their various crimes, and Genghis Khan, of course, has murdered a mannequin with a baseball bat. <laughs> Uh, Abe Lincoln is believed to have stolen the photo studio's prop hat and beard. Uh-huh. Apparently, Beethoven's crime is that he attracted too many customers. That to he the was too awesome store. on the demo hardware. <laughs> too awesome. Yeah, yeah that's right. He and was I, just love, too awesome. I love the increasing annoyance on the uh, the worker's face as he's, he's like tapping his watch. He's like, mm, "Got to take my break." <laughs> all, there's all these damn customers here now, though. And yeah, he gets the police excited about. His job our would be price. great if it weren't for the it's customers. A, well, oh wait, that's a different movie. Okay, so my question is, how many mall cops does this mall employ? Because there's an army of mall cops that are mobilized to stop the figures of history i mean san dimas is well known as the center of mall cop Mm. uh, you know mall cop academy yeah yeah that was a different set of 80s movies that we're going to talk about later Mm. i just feel like that guy immediately closed he pulled down the little uh the little grate in front of the store and made all the people who uh, who had gathered at the (laughs) Wurlitzer store go away so he could go have his his lunch i guess that what they're trying to do there is it's a little bit like in wayne's world it's a little bit like playing stairway to heaven on the guitar it's like uh some dude (laughs) walks in and he can play the piano and he's just going to stay here for 30 minutes and do a concert and i'm not selling any pianos and not buy anything right i think that's probably what they're going for there but yes again it is literally we've drawn a crowd to our store because this guy is using our products to make incredible music perhaps this is good but the only time in history except for five minutes ago when beef oven showed up that somebody (laughs) willingly walked into that store i know (laughs) and and this is this is why i what i said before I'll, i'll i'll repeat here which is the guest bits uh are so great like this is this is the thing that makes this movie so crate, fly. You might even say. So crates. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is what makes this movie fly is that you get these figures from history and 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 they are uh, delightfully either being their you know stereotype from history or put in our modern era doing surprising things like Joan of Arc taking over the aerobics class. That it's like what? <laughs> it's just uh, it's delightful and there's so many of them that when you get tired of one little bit with one of the characters, they just go on to the next one. We'll come back to yeah. Beef Oven it later. It doesn't matter if you're not liking that particular character because you're only going to be there another 30 seconds and then we'll go on to the next one. Oh, did you not like that bit where Genghis Khan finds an aluminum bed? Just wait, we'll see him later. And there's a trampoline. Okay, it's fine. Like, it'll be fine. He can skateboard, too. Yeah. 
Uh, He's so talented. But they can't they can't ice skate, and that's what finally gets our heroes caught is they're uh, slipping on the man. ice. Not a lot of and ice taken in that to, part of Mongolia, I to guess. To the police station, the mall cops slash police force uh take it to the uh police station where Freud is analyzing a detective. Um <laughs> the the Where all of them are still yeah. doing exactly the same stuff they were doing at the mall, which is just being themselves. Exactly. At the school, the endless uh, what we said, the endless assembly of the history oral reports just continues endlessly to go on. Uh, th- that's happening, uh, and then we get that moment where we've <laughs> we've had the little uh, the little uh, t- tidbit that was placed there that that uh, that what is it is it Ted's dad doesn't have his keys. Yes. Yes. And he blames Ted, and Ted's like, "No, no, I I didn't do it." And then they have this moment where they need his keys, and he's like, "Yeah, my dad lost his keys." And they and they say, and this is one we've talked about the 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 phone booth being a very Doctor Who thing. This is the most Stephen Moffat Doctor Who thing <laughs> in the whole movie. In fact, he used it in a comedy uh, Doctor Who bit that he did for charity too, which is, "Oh, we need a thing. I'll use my time machine later to go." back in time and get the thing and bring it here and stash it right back here where it'll be ready for me. Okay, cool, dude. And then they go, and there it is. There are the keys. It's such a great moment. It's like, we just have to remember to do it later and we'll leave it right here. And, and so they do that. Uh, They do that bit a couple of times. And uh, I I think it's great because it is pointing out the sheer absurdity of time travel. But, you know, show me where it says on the rules that they can't do this. I guess we have to allow it. It's great. And I I love that your mind, since you know these two guys are idiots, uh, the first thing you think is they're absolutely going to forget to do one of those things. They're going to reach and there's no keys there. And then they immediately address that concern by by saying it. You know, it's like, oh, we got to make sure that we remember to do that. And uh, I think Ted actually says, we must have, because it happened. And you're like, oh, yeah, right, they did. Yeah. So I guess they, I guess it's all okay. That's right. They must remember to do it. That's right. Otherwise, it would be a paradox, and we can't have that. Everything no. happens, right? <laughs> Everything that's going to happen does happen. They don't change it. So therefore, there it is. So anyway, they break them out. It's great. And instead, we can have the 1988 World Tour at the very end where Bernie Casey is like, oh, well, Bill and Ted aren't here. They fail. Everybody else can go home early. But no, they can't. We have our big production number <laughs> where they have presenting the 1988 World Tour of history. And they introduce the various historical figures who uh, who uh, appear uh, Socrates and Freud. Billy the Kid shoots out a spotlight to quiet the crowd, which is totally cool and chill in a high school auditorium. Yeah, well, you know. Absolutely fine. In 1988. <laughs> in 1988, it would have been fine. Well, they, they <laughs> probably figure yeah. it's a special effect, right? They don't think it's real. It's a it's it's a piece of Billy the Kid. So they've rigged this thing to be a pretend gunshot, right? Sure. Right. Sure. That's it. By the way, if you're wondering how they managed to instantly put together a pretty impressive AV package with multiple synchronized spotlights and musical <laughs> cues and stuff, just remember they can come back later and set that all they up. They set it all up back in time. That's right. You got it. There's a lot. Right. Freud appears and and there's a, there's a moment where he does his Freud thing and, and, and it's like, whoa, it's a good moment of like, well, Freud, you blew my mind. And then Lincoln does his abridged version of the Gettysburg Address, which ends with <laughs> imparting, I would say, a remarkable amount of gravitas on the theme of the movie, which is be excellent to each other. And we're like, oh, Lincoln, you brought it home. At which point he says, and party on, dudes. And and you go, all right, Lincoln, you got me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
Ah, uh, it's great. It's just that that's the the juxtaposition of, of Bill and Ted. Again, yes, the wise words of Bill and the silly words of Ted. But Lincoln, Lincoln brings it home. Lincoln, Lincoln nails it. At which point, uh, uh, yay, the it, day is saved. These historical figures have learned so much from our protagonists. They They've loosened up a little bit. They've learned about uh, Nerf footballs and aerobics uh, and Twinkies. What more do you get from the eighties than aerobics and Twinkies? The Ziggy Piggy, like Napoleon's going to bring that useful knowledge back mm-hmm. to him. And uh, Rufus uh, returns and brings the princesses. They're uh, part of the band in the future, so uh, we might as well get uh, uh, get started. And they they begin to play, and you think it's going to be the triumphant performance, but of course, this movie <laughs> knows what it is. They're they're terrible, and as George Carlin says, well, they get better, and that's the <laughs> end of the movie, <laughs> which is a great way to end it. Not sure yes. how else you'd end it. Because there's the still George, morons, but George Carlin trust line. it. They'll be better later, but not right now. They're they do not. get better. Yeah. And the princesses <laughs> apparently are just, I, I actually wondered if he was going to say something like, um, oh, well, they were going to get executed. So we pu- I pulled them out of time and brought them forward in time because they, they, that would break the timeline, right? But uh, who cares? It's just, again, they, no, it, that's how it it's happened. All fine. That's how it happened. That's right. That's just just how like how they put in the light show in the auditorium. They just went back right. and did it. Right. So they would have it. Yeah, I, right. I did want to say that the one thing this adds to the sort of standard uh, time travel tropes is is this conceit that despite the fact that they're bouncing around in their time machine, like the main timeline that's going on in San Dimas sort of continues to chug along, which I find fun. Uh-huh. Um, it's it's an interesting, it's it's the sort of thing that uh, one of those time travel ideas that you, you think about it for a while and then like it just sort of makes your head hurt. So you stop. But <laughs> uh, it, it makes zero sense, even in the context of this movie, but it is fun. Like, obviously, that it's not a problem for them to come back later and set things up at the police station, for instance, even though that's after the, the main And take a minute to type the little note to themselves, which yeah, I they, appreciate. They're, they're trying to give them a ticking clock, essentially, right? But right. that's yeah. fine. I guess there's like, every day has its own access point and that moves forward in time. But yes. could you not come back and just do it then again later? And it doesn't, it like, it, it's just a... It's just a movie. It's fine. But in the future, Clarence Clemens announces it's time. Their their failure is imminent. You know, so even there in twenty six eighty eight are aware of the real timeline that's happening in San Dimas, California. Yeah, which I, is, uh, I guess, <laughs> it makes no sense. I mean, it yeah, really doesn't. I watched a lot of Doctor Who, Steve. It makes perfect sense. Okay, sure. In the, in the <laughs> okay. same way the Doctor Who makes perfect sense. I'm you not... know what doesn't make sense is the fact that Ted wears a Van Hagar t-shirt throughout the whole thing instead of a Van Halen t-shirt. We talked at the beginning of the episode about what morons they are, Steve. Fair point. Fair point. It's it still, it's a little hard to take having to look at Sammy Hagar's face for the entire movie. It's So, what have we learned? <laughs> Um, so much. Somehow dude. the best. Somehow the best chronological astronauts are 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 just sweet morons who will not overthink the issues. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, honestly, if you had told me, well, we're going to do a movie, and what it's going to be is that a couple of morons go through history and they they bring historical figures to the to the present day um, because they need to ace their history final, and shenanigans occur. I'd be like, okay. And that's basically what this movie is. And and the answer is, yeah, it's it's sweet and good natured and ridiculous. And all the little individual characters are are um, awesome and funny and, and deployed really well. And although it's I would say the first, you know, whatever, 15, 20 minutes of it is kind of uh, um, 
slow and and the dialogue is clunky and it's not great it does it just keeps picking up speed until at, at one point it just literally you know they they go back in time and it takes flight and then at that point it's just nonsense the rest of the way and it's all it's all good it's all funny I just say that their stilted patter is just background noise at that point. So it ceases to be a problem, but it, right. it is definitely a little hard to get over in the initial yeah. stages of the movie, but then you don't care. I think that any writers who write themselves into the movie as stupid waiter and ugly waiter and serve Napoleon Bonaparte <laughs> a Sunday mm-hmm. uh, deserve a little bit of a pass. Is for that the who those two guys minutes. are? That's, that's who those that's guys exactly are. I saw are. stupid waiter and ugly waiter in the credits and I was like, oh, that's funny. And I could not <laughs> think of where that was. Because those names pop up again later in the credits. Makes sense. Good old stupid waiter and ugly waiter. They're the real (laughs) Bill and Ted. I think Socrates is my favorite. He's just so game for everything. He's He's gleeful. He's having a great time. It's hilarious that Sigmund Freud gets called a geek. Geek. (laughs) Geek. (laughs) (laughs) And and, you know, possibly second only to Deacon as far as characters in this movie. You know, who I've already expressed my love for. Although I didn't mention the great line where. where uh, they they meet him at the Little League field, and uh, Ted says, Deacon, do you realize you stranded one of Europe's greatest leaders in San Dimas? (laughs) To which his response is, he was a dick. Dick. I love that. Yep. Not wrong. Not wrong. He was. Historically accurate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Napoleon wasn't that short, but he he was a dick. He (laughs) He was a dick. Deacon's going to get a five on AP World History. Mm-hmm. Good job, Deacon. <laughs> oh, the, the history scores in San Dimas are going through the roof for the for the foreseeable future, I think. You just know all the rest of the high school students like, oh, so how do I top this? <laughs> I want to know how Joan of Arc uh, in- incorporates aerobics exercise mm-hmm. into her uh, training regimen. In the, into the, she's the training, history. yeah. Oh, see, that's another one where you have the ethical dilemma. Yeah, do you I know. return her so she can get... Yeah. Uh, this 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 is I now want someone some some university somewhere to do the 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 thought experiments that go into Bill and Ted messing <laughs> with the timeline. Like I have questions. Well, and there's the question <laughs> of like, could you use your time travel to save them at the moment where they were where history records them as dying and all that? And there's, oh, I, yeah. I, I've seen at least two different TV shows with that premise. Yeah, mm-hmm. so. you see, it's okay because Joan fell out of her armor at the last second. She did. Yeah. She fell off the stake yeah. at the last minute. <laughs> Leaving the fire Oops. behind. Yep. <laughs> I fell out of my armor, dude. Oh, she's okay. All right, cool. Come to the future with us. Yep. <laughs> That's it. I have loved everything about this movie. It was showing in a theater in, uh, where I grew up. It had just come out and we didn't really have anything better to do and went and watched it. And I loved this movie beginning to end from the minute I saw it just like like I said I watched the cartoon I ate the cereal I bought the cereal to get more of the little cassette holder phone booths um like I like I love I was so excited about the third one I was part of the world record air guitar attempt that they did that actually succeeded so Kelly every time we talk I learn more about you and (laughs) it is all just fascinating And like I have like every time I anybody who's listened to me on any other podcast knows that if it's my show, I sign off with be excellent to each other on every episode. And there's a reason for that, because, first of all, I really love this movie. It's like, well, like I said earlier, I think it's a really good rule to live by, you know, and just like the fundamental kindness in this movie and the fact that like they do stop and have a snack break you know and they do have pudding cups for everybody and they do like 
check in to make sure everybody's doing all right, you know, and and all of the little pieces of that that make them useful idiots even you know we know they're idiots but they're sort of useful idiots in a way and and not mean or anything like that and like this came out right around the time that like married with children was on tv and like let's be mean to each other but funny about it was like really getting on was was really on the upswing and so this really stood out compared to a lot of other stuff that was that was being released at the time. And, and that's always one of the things that I have always really liked about it. Yeah, this movie screams freshman year of college to me. Mm-hmm. I think we had one videotape uh-huh. in my dorm and it had this and Skin Deep on it. <laughs> Which, uh, <laughs> the Blake Edwards movie that the only thing anybody ever remembers about is the uh, glow of the dark condom fight, which is pretty great, <laughs> I have to say. Um, but <laughs> man, who wants to watch this movie like 600 times that freshman yeah. year? And it is just, it is the the film soundtrack, the film track to my, <laughs> my freshman year. And... Uh, I was a little concerned that uh, having not seen it probably in 20 years, it was uh, it was not going to hold up that well. But it's just so dumb. Mm-hmm. Like dumbness, <laughs> dumbness is timeless. It, I, I, I will point out that I've watched Ooh. it a lot more the last couple of years than I did the few years before mm-hmm. that. But yeah. Sec- seconding the uh, colleginess, um, Bill and Ted uh, 1 and 2 were comfort food for me and a group of my friends. Like we could always order the crummiest, cheapest Hungry Howie's Pizza, and just a while away in afternoon, watching both movies back to back, we would go, oh, we're going to watch Excellent Adventure, and maybe we'll watch Bogus Journey. And then we're like, well, of course you got to watch Bogus mm. Journey, because Station. <laughs> yes, and, Station. And, uh, you know, like, we we lost one of our friend group far too young, like uh, 12, 13 years ago now, and in the email thread that went across all of us, um, one of the things that, um, that, that one of us did to celebrate Kirk, uh, was, was bootleg the station track that was never on any official version of the soundtrack that you couldn't <laughs> get in any way other than watching the movie. Yeah. Um, and it's, just, I mean, it's, it's a comfort food movie in so many ways because even 30 plus years on, as we said, there are few things that, that are. Um, really, really creaky or more creaky than other far creakier movies of the time. Um, and what else was I going to say? Oh, San Dimas High School Football Rules and uh-huh. 69, dudes. <laughs> uh, it, it's, uh, I think what you were saying is it, it's timeless. Huh? Yeah. Whoa. I think you're I right, mean, Jason. I think, I, think, I think everything's different, but the Idiocy same. is timeless. <laughs> Things are more moderner than before. Bigger. Mm-hmm. And yet, smaller, <laughs> smaller. Yeah. It's computers. And then you know, San Dimas High School. San football. Dimas yes. High School football rules. <laughs> yeah, I, I, at the end of the day, uh, I yeah. think we can all agree, San Dimas High School football rules. I That's so. what's important. I just here. love that his train of thought just drifts off, and he just he just shouts, "Computers, computers!" <laughs> <laughs> computers. Uh, and that's why. And, and, you know and he's like, like giving uh, keynotes at sales conferences now. Sure. You know, we just, we, we, we make fun of that guy and we repeat that, but it's like, it wouldn't be funny if that weren't so incredibly true to life. So yeah, I've experienced so many <laughs> class I, presentations we, exactly like in that. In my high school, that absolutely happened in our school-wide mm. oral history report day-long <laughs> event. <laughs> Who among us can say that that's not? 
Wait, you mean you didn't have the all-day history report extravaganza at your high school? I did. And then the football player just said that football ruled. And apparently San Dimas High School does a pretty good business in San Dimas High School football rules t-shirts, even though this was not filmed anywhere near San Dimas. I I am sure sure that some some (laughs) Texas high school was forced to put something academic in the pep rallies to be allowed to continue doing the pep rallies because (laughs) they, they became too much of a football school. And so they inserted some like some some school history reports and then everybody got back to just talking about football which is all that anybody cares so like about. so crates would come out and then they would they would cheer and then he'd go back <laughs> off again what's up my dudes my name is so crates, so crates. aka <laughs> alex hardeman wide yeah. receiver for the high yeah. school football team right. what's up oh we are is dust in the wind goodbye <laughs> peace uh I also really enjoy the other presentations, like the one that ends with, well, in her day, Mary Antoinette said, let them eat cake. Perhaps today she would say, let them eat fast food, which is very much the way you end a high school yeah. presentation. I thought that was really good. I was like, she's giving yeah. me a. She's giving Absolutely. Me. Yeah. <laughs> outside, of, outside of the setting, those presentations were very true to high school. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then you've got like the super big man on campus who's got a little more together than the uh, than the San Dimas High School football right. rules guy, and he just ends with a "I know I do," and like yep. you can just you could just hear like all of the the cheerleaders swooning, and, and that's audience. why he's the class president or whatever. <laughs> oh, absolutely, right? mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, yep. he's better at it. Now working at Oshman Sporting Goods. Uh-huh, that's right. Well, they gotta, there's a mess there you gotta clean up. Somebody's gotta do it. Somebody's gotta do it. It's like it's like Genghis Khan went through here. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> just like that weird weird so uh for a for a an end to the summer of time travel what this has been great um or is it the beginning greetings my excellent friends (laughs) i feel like it's always somewhere in the middle somewhere in the middle Mm -hmm. yeah summer of time travel it begins now and ends uh before man if if unjustly maligned still existed i would do bogus journey which i think is unjustly maligned i i liked it but i mean william sadler's death and the twister with death is like one of the greatest things i've ever seen in a movie quite honestly i don't remember much else about the movie the twister with death i've still never seen it. oh steve (gasps) steve william sadler's death is as as like straight up seventh seal death yeah, I mean, I've seen I've seen him surely, and I've seen bits and pieces of oh. it, but yeah, right. okay, you saw the commercials, Steve. That doesn't count. It's good seeing the commercials doesn't eh, count you know, as that's pretty much all I need to see. Yeah, you know, I went to Rome. All right, you sure. know, I, I've seen I've seen Italy. I you know I went to Rome and you know sure. stayed at the hotel. It's the 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 you know it's so tranquil. I went to the castle of King Henry. Um. All right. Well, that wraps <laughs> up this edition of the Incomparables Summer of Time Travel. I would thank my guests for being so excellent and taking this uh, excellent journey with me today. Moises Chuyon, thank you. Jason, remember, get a tape recorder and set it for 213, dude. Because <laughs> that's something you can totally yeah. do with a tape recorder. Yep, that's, that's story check. Well, they, they're going to go to the future and get a good timed tape recorder and then bring it back to the past. It's, it's, it's complicated. Lisa Schmeiser, thank you. I don't have a good quote and I regret it. <laughs> Thank you That's for having right. me. Go back in time. Come back, come back yeah. later. Fix it. Whoa, Ted, you're just, alive. Uh, no. Just go with San Dimas High School football rules. It yeah. always applies. It always oh, I should have done that. <laughs> Computers. 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 Kelly, come on. Thank you. <laughs> Gentlemen, we're history. And Steve Lutz. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. This has been a most unusual podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, thanks to everybody out there for listening to this episode of The Incomparable. We will see you next time. Until then, be excellent to each other. 
and party on dudes <laughs>